We have as our guest today Catherine Branson, um, really a, a superstar as far as the legal profession is concerned. Catherine is a former federal court judge, um, but she's here today to give the Hickenbottom Lecture, um, and she's also a former president of the Australian Human Rights Commission, passionate about human rights and indeed people seeking asylum. Thanks very much for joining us, Catherine. It's a great pleasure, Rod. So you are here to deliver the, uh, the George Hickett-Watham uh, lecture, uh, named in honour of uh, one of Victoria's um, earliest attorneys general and also one of our earliest chief justices. He also played a key role, in fact, in establishing uh, RMIT way back in 1887. What is it about uh, his approach to the law that um, inspired you to come and give this lecture? Well, there are a number of things about um, Hickett-Watham that I discovered, I have to frankly say, after I started preparing for the lecture. I knew of him earlier than that because he was, as you say, an early Attorney General and early um, Chief Justice of Victoria, but I'd never really looked into the man before. Uh, you'll understand that one of the things that made me like him a lot was he's reported to have excited ridicule in 1873 by advocating for the female franchise. He was also a great Democrat. Um, arguing that good government was, was the entitlement and the right of the poor as well as the wealthy. Um, he had a strong allegiance, of course, for the law, um, but attractive to me, an anxiety to stand up for the vulnerable and the voiceless. Um, he seemed to me an all-round decent bloke, I have to say. Well, you've had many roles in public life, including, as I said, a federal court judge and president of the Australian Human Rights Commission. What values have driven you in the jobs you've had to do? Well, I think I was, in a sense, fortunate to be able to fill these roles because they enabled me to do my little bit to show that there is something really deeply insightful and true in those opening words of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, you know, which is that the equal dignity and entitlement of all members of the human race uh, is critical if we're to have peace and justice in the world, uh, and I, I believe that. I mean, at the root of most evil and most injustice is a fail, failure to respect the inherent and equal dignity of every member of the human race. Well, your transition from a federal court judge, where by and large you're asked to interpret the law, to your role as president of the, uh, the Australian Human Rights Commission, where often you have to be critical of, uh, of government and government policies, how did you find that transition? Was it easy or hard? Look, it was quite hard, and it was a very marked difference. And uh, it does take a while, I think, to get your mind and your thinking around the difference in the roles. By and large, judges are there to write judgments and not otherwise uh, to be heard from and not even to be seen very much. What's wanted, of course, about from the President of the Australian Human Rights Commission is that they are seen, their views are um, known to people, uh, they do advocate in a, in a public way. Not, of course, their uninformed personal views. Um, the President of the Human Rights Commission chairs a commission um, made up in the Australian case of the specialist commissioners and we work collegiately. Um, and we're guided by the fact that human rights for the purpose of the Australian Human Rights Commission is those rights recognised by Australia's international human rights obligations. So there, are, there is guidance everywhere about what, what is meant. 
but advocacy and being seen, being heard is an important role for the President. Well, I guess on, on that issue, as a, as a nation, um, we have, I guess, uh, an obligation to protect our borders on the one hand, but as an international citizen, we also have an obligation to uphold uh, human rights, particularly the rights of people seeking asylum. Mm -hmm. Do you think we've got that balance right here in Australia? I don't think we have it right at all. Um, I think there are many areas in which our treatment of people that come to Australia seeking asylum, which is a perfectly lawful thing to do under international law and indeed under Australian law, um, the rights of those people are not respected. Um, I think a quite false sense of panic has been created in the minds of the Australian people about how big the problem Australia faces. It's very modest in comparison uh, with many other countries. The truth is that it's the developing countries, the poor countries, who are hosting the most of the world's refugees and asylum seekers. It's not the developed world. But even among the developed world, Australia is hosting a fairly small number. Uh, other countries are, are astonished at the attitude in Australia uh, when they see us dealing with a quite modest problem by the standards of the problems they deal with every day. Well, um, Higginbotham was um, pretty passionate, amongst other things, about protecting the rights of children. Um, and you've done a fair amount of work in the area of kids being held in detention. Can you give us some indication as to what impact it has on a child um, when they're held in detention for periods of time? Well, we're fortunate because we know from a number of very reputable sources what is the impact on children of being held in detention, particularly indefinite detention that goes over a long period of time. The Australian Human Rights Commission, before I joined it, uh, published a study in 2004. But while I was president, I took psychiatrists uh, into places of detention with me to help me understand what I was seeing. The current president, Professor Gillian Treek, has taken a professor of paediatrics and child welfare with her with the same reports. So what we know is it has significant impacts on the well-being, including the mental well-being of children. They commence to self-harm. Um, some of them attempt suicide. They bedwet. They start to stutter. Some of them cease to speak. They exhibit obvious signs of distress. And from some of the inquiries on complaint that I made when I was president, uh, I received the um, written advice from specialist psychiatrists about children who will never recover uh, from the damage they suffered in our immigration detention facilities. It's, it's, it's tragic, it's inhumane and it's cruel. Well, our, our immigration laws, as cruel as you say they are, are often tested in the High Court mm -hmm. and often there seems to be a bit of a disconnect between High Court, which upholds the ability to hold people in mandatory detention on the one hand and our international obligations on the other. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think we can do to ensure there is much greater adherence to our international obligations? Well, I think the decision that many people think about is the Al-Khateb decision, where the High Court of Australia said that holding somebody who had been neither charged with an offence, uh, obviously not convicted of an offence, could be held in this country if they were a non-citizen uh, indefinitely, possibly for life, was a valid law. The final courts of appeal of some other countries have come to other decisions on that point, and our High Court split 4-3. I think it wasn't an inevitable decision, but it was a decision of our High Court. If that is the Australian constitutional position, then I think as a country we have to give serious thought to whether we ought to do more in our country 
to protect fundamental human rights, uh, like the right to be free, unless you've come to the attention of the criminal justice system or otherwise uh, a danger to the security of your nation. So um, are you talking about the possibility of a, a federal human rights instrument? We have a human rights instrument here in Victoria. Mm -hmm. uh, are you uh, looking at perhaps um, advocating for a federal human rights instrument? Well, as President of the Commission, during the human rights consultation that Attorney General McClellan called, um, I was, as the Commission was, a strong advocate for a Human Rights Act for Australia. Um, it, the model uh, advocated for took no powers away uh, from any politician in Australia, didn't alter the powers uh, of any court in Australia to, uh, to knock down laws made by a parliament. But what it would have re required was that parliament was much more thoughtful uh, about the laws it was enacting, that it thought through with professional help what the implications on those laws were for people's human rights, and that there would be public debate about laws that were found not to be respectful of human rights. It would, I think, as I thought then, be a great step forward for Australia. Okay, so let's be clear. Operation Sovereign Borders, mm -hmm. which um, uh, has given the government the ability to uh, turn back boats and also, it appears, uh, hold asylum seekers on boats on the high seas for uh, substantial periods of time. Do you believe that that breaches our international obligations? Uh, well, I believe it does. Uh, it's also the case that 53 or 54 scholars from 17 separate Australian universities jointly state, stated, signed a statement recently saying that Operation Sovereign Borders, as reported, is plainly in breach of international law. The detaining um, outside Australia's own territorial waters uh, of people on a boat that was a non-Australian flag boat uh, and holding them there for approximately a month uh, in very confined circumstances is something that the High Court will rule on in a not too distant future. Um, but so far as our obligations are to treat people with humanity, um, ensure that they have minimal standards uh, of living and appropriate conditions of living, um, I don't think um, that the history of that venture is respectful of our rights, of their rights. But perhaps the most worrying thing so far as international law is concerned is this, um, as it's slightly iron ironically I think, called enhanced process of screening, which if the reports that we receive are accurate involves asking four questions and then determining whether somebody is a refugee or not. The risk, uh, if that practice is adhered to, of sending someone back to a place where they do have a well-founded fear of persecution, persecution is very high. And of course that is the fundamental obligation under the Refugees Convention, not to, refer, to return someone to a place where they have a well-founded fear of persecution. Well, I'm sure there's many people who agree with you, who agree that uh, holding kids in detention is um, absolutely outrageous. Um, and detaining people indefinitely without any rights of appeal is also outrageous, but they sit, sit in their living rooms and they watch the television programs on these issues and they think, this is horrible, but I can't do anything. I'm just um, a, a citizen that doesn't have uh, the powers of a federal court judge or a, an Australian human rights president of the Human Rights mm. Commission. What can people do if they agree that what we're doing as a nation in their name is outrageous? Look, I think there are things that people can be can do because ultimately we are a you know we are a proud democratic country. What the people of Australia won't stand for ultimately has to be changed uh, unless the constitution stands in the way, and that's not the case 
here. So I think Australians need to reflect a little. Uh, the vulnerable asylum seekers who come to this country are held always very far from where the Australian population is. So in remote detention centres and now in offshore places. That makes it hard for people to see them, hear their stories, and you know, empathise with their personal circumstances. So I think those who try and share their stories are doing you know, a valuable service. So I think people have to think, you know, are we as a nation losing our empathy? Um, how worrying it is if we are? To think through what it would be like for them if they were in the circumstances of these people, particularly if they had their young children with them. So I do urge Australians to think, um, what's happened to the, to the compassion of which Australians you know, are ordinarily so proud? To remember that we are a democracy. I think people who are concerned need to engage with politics. I think it is important also to engage with other institutions concerned with human rights. But at the end of the day, if well-meaning people pull back from politics because they don't like what they see in the political sphere, as a nation, we'll be a lot, lot less well off. We need people of goodwill and integrity to involve themselves in the political process. I think lawyers have a particular obligation. Well, I was going to ask yeah. about lawyers. So, yeah. so there'll be a lot of lawyers and aspiring lawyers mm. watching this. Um, what obligation do you think lawyers and aspiring lawyers have to, to uphold our human rights obligations? Well, international law is a form of law. Lawyers learn about the importance of law. The law inside our country is important for managing and regulating relationships inside Australia. International law is critical for regulating the relationships between different nation states. Australia is inclined to call on other nation states to respect the human rights of their citizens and other people over whom they can exercise power. It's because we understand the importance of having rules for engagement between states and rules that protect people from governments of all character. If Australia is to be treated seriously when it calls on other countries to respect their international human rights obligations and their other obligations under international law, Australia must be seen to respect its own. I think lawyers are peculiarly, peculiarly placed to understand that. They're also peculiarly well placed to understand when an argument is based on sound logic and strong evidence and when it's not. And I at least am persuaded that many of the arguments put to the Australian public around uh, the necessity for operation sovereign borders, the necessity to detain people and young children in detention are not sound either logically and they are not based, they're not based on strong evidence. Well, that's a, a very um, sober note on which to end this interview. Catherine, thank you so much for the work you've done in the past and no doubt will continue to do in the future. And um, can I say for all those who have watched this interview, um, don't think that uh, you have no role to play if you believe our international obligations are being breached. Speak out, get active, get involved. <laughs>